Hello, everyone. Happy Friday and welcome to another edition of AW Weekly. I am, of course, your host, Miss Dynamite herself, Stephanie Chase. And welcome to AW Weekly, the third episode you're hearing. And thank you for supporting the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on Apple because I am just a new little baby in the podcast world. And I can only grow with subscriptions and Apple ratings. So feed me those Apple five-star reviews, please. Thank you. What a week it's been. I've done a lot this week, as you may have seen, AW related, because I interviewed the best friends, Orange Cassidy, Trent, Chuck, Chris Statlander. I got them all together for one big interview, and that's up now on my channel. So Everyone, if you haven't already, please go check it out. Give it a like, give it a share. Um, and I hope you guys really enjoyed it. It was really fun to have them all together. It's like it was four people at once, which is probably more people than I met in person in 2020 um <laughs> you know so and they all have such such great chemistry together it was really fun though just like being uh sat in their group for half an hour was so wonderful and they're such great fun people we talk about a lot of things still a lot of talking about arcade anarchy because i think that was such a a huge match and they're like a brilliant, brilliant match. We we may have even booked a match in the supermarket. We also talked about then getting the wonderful Pixies, Where Is My Mind theme tune that everyone loves so much. Um, Trent coming back from his neck surgery, what it's been like for Chris coming back and her joining the group. So really fun interview, everyone. Please check it out. And I also have one up with Diana Perazzo as Matthew Makovsky says, Deanna Prazo is my favorite interview of the week. Who do you think is facing her tomorrow? Yes, yeah, so Deanna has a mystery opponent at Slammiversary tomorrow. So no, the mystery opponent is not revealed, but we do do a lot of like talking about who it might be. Um, I'm really not sure who it's going to be. I have a feeling could be like Chelsea Green because they're such good friends. And I know she debuted for Ring of Honor, but I think that she's able to do other things. Um, it could be like a total swerve and it's someone ex-WWE who has managed to get out of their contract a bit early, their uh, non-compete clause, I mean, a bit early. So I'm really not sure who Deanna's uh, mystery opponent's going to be, but I'm definitely excited to find out. But yeah, please everyone go check out that interview. She tells a really great story about the time The Rock came to the performance center and she had to wrestle The Rock's daughter Simone in front of The Rock. If if you could think of anything more like nerve-wracking, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, that was I loved her so much. She's in my top 5 um, favorite female wrestlers and I've been wanting to interview her for a long time. But enough enough about me, enough about me, because we have an amazing dynamite to get into that I've been wanting to talk about in depth for days now, well, two days. It was one of those dynamites, you know, I always say, you know, it's a good dynamite if I end up staying up really late afterwards. And it was a 4.30 a.m. bedtime for me after this dynamite because it was that good. They were in Texas, so we got a crowd outside of Florida for the first time, which was really awesome. So we got to see some how different people react to different things. And they kicked it off really hot with the Wild Thing himself, 
John Moxley returning after becoming a dad and he returned with a new look. He was out there with Eddie Kingston. As I said, he came out to Wild Thing. The crowd went absolutely insane for him and he went absolutely insane too. He was proper like, getting in the crowd like it was wild man, wild man, wild thing, John Moxley. And it really got the show off to an awesome start. Uh, Carl Anderson, very, very much in the heel role here, coming out, having a singles match, which we haven't really seen him do in a very long time. Uh, and notable for me during his entrance, they did mention Prince Devitt by name, um, saying that he formed the Bullet Club. That's just notable for me because I was a huge fan of Prince Devitt. Don't know what happened to him um, once he left New Japan, but he was at the time when he was in New Japan, my favorite wrestler. So I was happy to hear his name mentioned once again on TV. <laughs> so at the start of the match, Kingston attacked Gallows with a pipe um, and then Moxie took advantage of the distraction to strike Anderson. Towards the end, we got Anderson getting a diving neck breaker for a near fall, but he fought out of a paradigm shift um, and then he did a forearm to hit a stun gun stand, but he could not make the cover. Then we had Moxley fired up. He had a corner clothesline. Anderson caught him with a fire ground man's carry turned that into gunstone for a good near fall but moxley countered a top rope gunstone with a ripcord lariat and hit the paradigm shift to win and retain yes the crowd was hot for, for this from start to vision finish and i think one person in particular who's really hot at the minute is eddie kingston he was the crowd just love him so so much and i just wonder if he's ever gonna get his big singles moment because he's in a really good position here with John Moxley but I think especially maybe at Arthur Ashe Stadium I want to see them do something big for Eddie Kingston because the crowd have connected with him so much he's like the hero of the pandemic era as far as how he debuted and how he got in there um with AW and how he's just managed to have to keep that momentum going he's absolutely awesome um I think Moxley as well it was so cool to see him back. The crowd just are always, always hot for Moxley. But I was really impressed by Carl Anderson here because, as I said, we haven't seen him in singles competition much at all. And he's known as a tag team guy, but he's a really, really solid singles wrestler. And he was in New Japan. And it was great to see him, see him get that. And there was some really interesting stuff on commentary because Excalibur did a really, really great job of explaining, you know, Moxley with stuff he did in Japan and how he won the US Championship, which was against uh, Lance Archer in a Texas death match. And that was a nice little breadcrumb for what happened after this match because we had Lance Archer and Jake Roberts backstage. They appeared to be arguing. Um, so Lance Archer, he challenged John Moxley to another Texas death match for next week when they will be in Dallas. So that is going to be super, super cool. Two weeks in a row, getting the defense of the IWGP United States Championship. A Texas death match on television is going to be really good. I really enjoyed their match that they had in New Japan so much. So it'd be interesting to see how they do it on TV, on American soil. I expect a lot of crowd brawling and stuff. And yeah, I thought that that was really, really good. Some guy says, and that's his actual username. I'm not just being rude. Why did Moxley enter first when he's a champion? I know it's a petty thing to get annoyed about, but I'm annoyed about it. Well, traditionally, the champion 
she'd enter last, yes. But what a way to kick off the show with Moxley, you know, coming out to Wild Thing. I think it'd be a little, like, rude, because they maybe could have done Carl have a no TV entrance and just start it with him in the ring. But then I think that'd be a little, like, rude to Carl. And when you do that to people, it kind of makes it seem like nothing. Sorry, QT Marshall. So I understand why you'd be annoyed about the champion not entering last. But the champion has an epic theme song that is a great way to kick off a live show in front of a crowd. So I think that's just the way they did it. And sometimes you just have to break with tradition if something's going to be really hot and good for the TV. Pro Wrestling Outsiders is I hope someone interferes and Archer wins the title. Otherwise, he's buried. He's lost every important match he's had. Um, I don't see Archer winning the title. I think if anyone's going to take it from Moxie, it's going to be someone that can defend it on New Japan proper more. Um, unless Archer wants to go and have like a little excursion or something back to Japan, because as we do say about him, he does tend to just wander around the arena looking for stuff to do. It's like every week that's the trope with Lance Archer. He's just always roaming around. So I am... Um, I don't see him taking the title of Moxley unless he's like planning to to be more of a defending champion than Moxley is able to be. Pro Wrestling Outsider always also says Moxley doesn't have a major feud. Does he interference would make sense? Um, yeah, it would make sense, but depending on who's interfering, like I I want to see Moxley and Kingston. I don't know where I want to see them go, to be honest, because we left it off in their feud with the Young Bucks. That was really good. And now the Young Bucks are in something really great. So it's hard to find a place for them when it's really stacked. I saw earlier someone maybe say that Kingston could take the TNT Championship off Miro. I'd really, really like that. But uh, I don't. I can't then, I can't see Miro losing the title. It's hard. It's, it's really, really hard when you have like this much talent um, to book. Speaking of that, Andrade, um, El Idolo, was interviewed by Alex Abriantes, and basically here he asked where Death Triangle was, and he told Alex to tell them that El Idolo is looking for them. So potentially setting up a feud here between Andrade and Death Triangle, or maybe he's looking for them to be friends. We don't know, but notably Vicky Grow not present here. He has a translator that doesn't speak so i don't know what's really going on with this uh andrade vicky thing still that's it like what can you say about this andrade thing uh no one seems to be into him and vicky together his his match last week didn't like the world on fire we're still just waiting for him to to blossom in aw we have a super chat from anthony hi thank you so 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 much for your super chat he says last night's show was great you're awesome everyone have a great day Thank you so much. That's the loveliest super chat I've ever received. Just spreading positivity and niceness. Thank you so much, Anthony. That's wonderful. I think they're pivoting away from Vicky, says Mikasp. Uh, yeah, I, I actually think they are. And I think that maybe it was some, I would, I'd love to know just the reasoning of why they did it. Maybe they had a totally different plan and then that didn't happen. And they were just like quick put him with Vicky, but it doesn't really seem it seems something that they're kind of off and on with. It doesn't it, it doesn't seem like something they're kind of all in on. And if you're not going to be all in on it, then you really shouldn't do it. Uh, next, we had the FTW Championship on the line. Ricky Starks versus Brian Cage. And this match was 
this was the best example, I think, all night of the crowd and how hot the crowd were because Ricky Starks is a guy who made uh, a name for himself in the Austin area. And boy, did they show him some appreciation and give him like a hometown reception. They absolutely loved him. And he's really meant to be the heel in this situation. And it just totally threw off the, the dynamics of the match. But I loved it a lot to see like how greatly Ricky, who's such a, a great young up and coming star just back from an injury was received. It was awesome. We had Taz on commentary, Hobbs and Hook were out. Early on in the match, we saw Starks rolling to the floor, grabbing the FTW title, but Cage booted him and then drove his shoulder into the ring apron. So later on, we had Starks. He hit a sit-out powerbomb on Brian Cage. That looked really impressive. He was then about to use the FTW belt, but Powerhouse Hobbs stopped him from doing it. And then Cage took advantage of this distraction. He hit an F5. We got another good near fall. But then Hook distracted the referee and Hobbs hit Cage with the belt, Starks hit the spear and he won the championship. And then Taz celebrated with Starks, Hook and Hobbs. So this was a really, really, really good match, I thought. I thought it started off a little bit, like there was a little bit of ropiness at the start, start but then they really pulled it back, which is commendable for both of them. The crowd reaction for Ricky was amazing. I liked the way they did like the little swerve at the end where they were trying to, they first stopped Ricky from using the belt and then they actually used it. It was like just a, everyone ganging up on Brian Cage to get him out of Team Taz. And I thought it was great. New FTW champion, you know, this belt, is it a real belt? Is it not a real belt? Who knows? But we have finally seen it change hands. And it's nice to kind of christen Ricky Starks as the new, like, top guy in Team Taz. And it will be interesting to see where Brian Cage goes from here out on his own. So next, we had a recap of the debut of Malachi Black. So Excalibur was getting over that this isn't the man that he knew. The man that Excalibur knew was Tommy End, and he wasn't this Malachi Black character that we're getting. Then Cody walks out to commentary. He's in a full white suit because Cody doesn't do subtlety and that is one of the reasons why we love him. He puts on the headset and he says that Malachi could have just called him out and he would have been called him up and he would have been great here, but we don't kick 62 year old men in the face. And then he said, I don't feel like I'm getting my point across. And I'm like slammed on the headset to take a microphone, which I did think, why wouldn't you have just done it on the house mat mic at the beginning to let everyone hear what you're saying instead of doing it over the commentary. However, I think he made this decision to do the dramatic headset slam um, and then take the microphone. So he said that he doesn't win every fight, but he has a chance when he knows it's coming. Cody called out Black. Uh, this is fighter, fighter and I like fighting, he said. Then we had Malachi Black on the big screen. He is in his dark room. He has the eye going on. And he pointed out that the fans were cheering when he attacked Cody and Aaron because they don't feel about you like you feel about them. He then told a story that I'm not going to recap about a man killing a horse because it was boring. He didn't kill a horse because it was boring. He, the story was boring. And then he said when he looked Cody and Arn in the eyes last week, it just wasn't there. Cody then fired up and demanded Black come down and fight. We had the lights out. He showed up in the ring face to face with Cody. 
they brawled, officials and agents were breaking it up and there was a let them fight chance. So the crowd are certainly into this feud. I can say that I am into this feud if we, I, I just want to be sure it's not going to go down and go into like weird, creepy, magical fiend territory. The story about the horse, the story about the horse verged on Undertaker and Big Show in the desert territory. And if you don't know that, look up Undertaker Big Show desert promo. We were verging on that territory. And I just felt like, don't, don't add this in because Cody was showing such great fire. It was like being heated. I liked how Black was talking like very seriously and in a measured way, but we just didn't need the horse story. I do think we need quality control and editing with Malachi Black. And this is something where I would have been like, hi, Mr. Black, quality control. We don't need your horse story. Please, please move on. But I think this feud, I'm excited for it, but what made me excited for it was the crowd reaction, just because they were hot with it. Matthew says, this feels like 2019 Cody when he was against Dustin. Love this, Cody could even uh, see a heel turn. Yeah, Cody in 2019, his match with Dustin, that was incredible. And it was really the making of, of Cody Rhodes is this great character that sucks you in with emotion. And I could see this being Cody's heel turn, just because Black is like the new hot character coming in. I think he has a lot of support from the fans just because he was released from WWE and he had all these ideas that didn't make it to TV. However, he is trying to carry them over. And I think people are sympathetic towards that and want to cheer for him. He also does very cool kicks, so that always helps. But yeah, I could see this facilitating a Cody heel turn. I absolutely see Black winning this feud because Cody has to go do the Go Big Show very soon. I, I hope that that Black veers away from anything that's in any way like Undertaker e fiendy style and maybe just attacks Cody on a personal level during the promos for the fact that you know he's meant to be a wrestler and he's going off to do stuff like the the Go Big Show and kind of like tie it in. Hello to channel member Bills Mafia. Um, Pro Wrestling Outsider, what's worse, Drew's stories or Malachi's? I'm going to say Malachi's stories are worse because I don't have to listen to Drew's uh, stories because he's on Raw, whereas Malachi Black, he's on my favorite show ever that I will watch and love every week. And just the horse story was my low point. Matthew says, if Cody turns heel after facing Black, I'm afraid they will do the same story as the Fiend, as the fiend turning his opponents. I don't think so. Um... I, I think because Cody is going to take time off then, they can do it kind of separately. It's not going to be something where, yeah, he turns all his opponents like that. I, I I don't really see it going that way. But I think Cody, yeah, he could he could have a heel turn and then take his time off. Um, next, speaking of heels, we had Tully Blanchard. Uh, he was asked about the cheap shot he took on Conan. And then he ran into Santana Ortiz, who threatened him um, with like, it was like a pipe and then they ended up just mocking him uh i thought this was um interesting i mean per tully blanchard i, I really like tully and he was there just dressed like he was going to do some magic and they scared him they threatened and scared this older gentleman i love santana ortiz but i was guys this is a bit heelish and i know that <laughs> ftr are heelish but I would have not done this um, category, this 
tactic. I would have had them, I don't know, maybe present Telly with a nice little cup of tea or something, not a poison one, and said, hey, Telly boys, we're coming to get you. You know, something like that. Matthew say, when is this tag match happening? Oh my God, I need it ASAP. I think it's going to happen. I mean, I would save it for a big event, but then all like the next pay-per-view seems kind of still far away. It's hard to know when it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen soon, but then we have all the Jericho match stipulation things coming up and you don't want to like take away from that. This is, but this is one that we very much need. And if they do it before Big Show, oh, oh, it's hard again because then you have your tag team champions, the Young Bucks are now caught up in this Dark Order thing. Yeah, maybe Charlotte, says Bill's Mafia. I could see them doing it in Charlotte. Oh, absolutely, with FTR being in it. So who would the crowd cheer for? Who would the crowd cheer for then? Next, we had a really great segment. Hangman Page was introduced by Tony Schiavone. He got great reception, of course. Giovanni said that Omega versus Page was what the fans wanted to see. Page always wanted to be the world champion, but he came close and failed. The Dark Order is right. He still needs that championship. And he was seemed to be about to challenge Omega. But then Don Callis interrupted with the rest of the elite walking out. Um, he said that Page was doing a lot of talking and he, he isn't the guy. Then Matt Jackson cut a promo. Uh, he basically said that Page was a sad, lonely drunk and has no one to blame but himself. Matt then said that Page was going to be the ne next wrestling tragedy, which strong words, Matt Jackson, strong words for Christian man. Um, Page then struck Matt, leaving the elite to attack. Omega appeared. He was going to hit Page with the title, but the Dark Order ran out and stopped him. Page said he's not leaving without a match. Omega agreed, but first we have a five-on-five -five elimination match between the Dark Order and the elite. Page said that when he wins, he wants a world title shot, and he wants the Dark Order to get a uh, tag title shot. Omega said he'd entertain Page's idea, but if Page and the Dark Order lose, he can't challenge Omega. Omega asked if Page was afraid to fail in front of fans. He's going to take an extra measure of pleasure when cowboy shit turns into belt collector. Belt collector. Page said he was cool with that. Uh, the Dark Order doesn't back on from a fight. You are on. Exciting. This segment was brilliant. Matthew says, this segment was brilliant. The five versus five is gonna... <laughs> it's gonna hump. <laughs> um, Bill's Mafia channel member said, on the verge of tears this entire segment. I loved it so much. I, I was on the verge of tears for this segment as well. It's really, really good. They're building up this feud beautifully. I love the incorporation of the Dark Order. I love that this, when they have this five on five match, it is gonna be a great visual of how Hangman Page is the guy with the backup needed to take on Kenny Omega because he does have enough friends. And that's really, really good. And I hope that Omega, oh, I'll read out a comment instead. Janice says Page and Omega should not touch each other. Um, maybe Omega subs Nakazawa for himself. I absolutely agree with that. I don't think that Page and um, Omega should touch in this match at all. Uh, either Omega should get himself eliminated or, yeah, maybe sub Nakazawa for himself, something like that. Matthew says, how is the match going to go? Hangman uh, gets eliminated right away. They either have four to work from the bottom because they lose the bestie, then John Silver pins Kenny. They could do something like that, yeah. But I, they're definitely, maybe, 
I would prefer Omega like subbing himself or something because it would show he's kind of scared of Paige and that would be good. Uh, Bills Mafia, I would love to see Hangman get screwed early on in the five versus five and John Silver has to win it. Uh, a lot of people are are saying that John Silver should be the one that wins. I agree with that. That would be a lovely moment, especially if he if he is back and healthy again. That's really, really good. Next up, we have a segment that delighted me. And it delighted me because you might know, if you're watching last week, that I had a mini meltdown over what these labors that Jericho could have to go through are. Because I want my dream match which is Jericho versus Wardlow. And then I was told about rumors that were flying that MJF was going, to have, was going to make Jericho fight the other members of the inner circle, meaning that I would not get my match. But let's see what happened this week. This was uh, clearly pre-taped because Jericho is on the road with Fozzy. I don't know where it was taped. I guess it was taped in Daly's place, but it was taped somewhere where, the, where there was like a fuzzy pink cushion on the couch that I liked a lot. But anyway... He was being interviewed about the stipulations and he talked about the if uh, MJF had properly read Greek mythology, he'd know that when Hercules succeeded, he got everything he wanted. Jericho will walk through fire or run across broken glass to get to MJF. He is now on a t-shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees and wore an AEW. But then Sean Spears came and attacked him with a chair, like right in the throat. It looked really bad. And then we had MJF saying that the stipulation is, is Jericho versus Sean Spears. And Spears can use a chair and Jericho can't. So interesting stipulation. Bit of a wacky one, but totally working for the character. Sean Spears can use a chair and Jericho can't. The reason this made me happy is not because I want to see a Sean Spears match. It is because now I'm like, okay, he is going to he is going to make him do a match with Wardlow. Surely. Surely. Though he could end up just picking more random people. I guess maybe like because FTR are in this feud right now with Santana and Ortiz, maybe he won't use FTR. He could bring in some other people as mer like mercenaries. But I think I'm getting the Wardlow match, and that is all I want. Yeah. <laughs> as Mikasp says, it's coming, Steph. It is coming. It is coming. Um, uh, NRG says, the little bit of the bubbly is the best wrestling merchandise ever. Well, I would know if I had tried it, but I will, whenever I can, um, whenever I'm in America, I will try and try a little bit of the bubbly because... Uh, I love bubbly and I have to try it. Janice says, Sammy will hit Spears with a chair and Jericho will win. And then we will see Sammy versus Sean Spears. Hmm. That, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, Jericho versus Wardlow in a steel cage again, says Matthew. Yeah. I think Wardlow in a steel cage would be pretty good. It'd be a nice callback to the Cody thing. Um, he is kind of becoming the, the guy that only fights in cages, which is fine. Um, Jericho versus FTR in a handicap match this Matthew. I I could see that happen. I could see that happen. Um, Jeremy, hello, says, I would love to see Jericho just whack Spears with a bat and pin him <laughs> and then saying, I'm smarter than you and you know it, MJF. I like that a lot. I like that a lot because I guess, yeah, Jericho can't use a chair, but he could use anything else. He could bring a kitchen sink out there, really. Yeah. Just whack him with Floyd. Let's do it. <laughs> but moving on to a match that, 
you know, I wasn't that excited about, but actually it was fine. Christian Cage, he defeated Matt Hardy. Um, the beginning of it was like full lockup for about a minute. Um, and that, but I'm wondering if they just did that to troll people like me that did not want to see this match and thought that it was a boring, you know, <laughs> setup to, to have Christian and Matt Hardy in a feud. Uh, because they, it actually improved after that. Um, they did do some fun, fun stuff. Um, Hardy at one point did a twist of fate for a close near, near fall. Then when they won the floor, he locked in the leech, his new submission finisher. But when Hardy rolled back into the ring, the referee counted. Christian made it right back in the nine. And then he managed to counter the twist of fate into the kill switch with a pin. After the match, the Hardy family office, which is Private Party and TH2, surrounded the ring. But Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus came out to make the save. Um... I thought, yeah, I thought this match was fine. I'm kind of glad it's over with, like, no offense at all. Um, it was a slow start, but they did the best that they could. There was a lot of commentary about the, how these guys haven't faced each other much and fine, but, you know, they're just, they're just so, like, connected as being from the same era of WWE that I just I didn't have any interest in them having a feud in AW where I do have a lot of interest in, you know, Jungle Boy and Private Party and Luchasaurus, people like that. So the two of them are fine if they're feuding with other people. I just did not have the interest, engagement in them doing it together. Let me see. McCasp said, old school match. People complaining about the finish, but Christian played possum. I think I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, pro wrestling outsider. I like legends working with younger talent. So I hope the Christian Hardy feud is done. Exactly my opinion. Pro wrestling outsider. Um, yeah. I want to see them work with, with younger talent as well. Um, Bill's Mafia we, uh, says, we all need to apologize to Matt and Christian. Lol. They sustained 1.1 million viewers versus the 10 million viewers of the NBA game. Yeah, we forgot to mention at the start of the show how freaking great that Dynamite rating was. Absolutely awesome. So, so good. Like, Dynamite is coming for Raw in the numbers. It really, really is. Start comparing it to Raw. And once these, once we are, like, fans every week, things are only in my opinion, going to get bigger and better for AEW as more people see how awesome AEW is in front of a live crowd. Because unlike WWE, they're going to be in front of fans that really care and are really, really invested. And that's why this is the perfect time to start, kickstart this Hangman Page Omega thing. Mini side note rant there. But yes, congratulations to AEW for the rating on Dynamite. It was awesome. Let me see what, I think that's, I think that's all we have given uh, isn't he, oh Abanov says isn't the leech just the ice pick from TNA? Uh, I think so, but I, my Matt Hardy TNA knowledge is not um, not great. Uh, Matthew Mikowski says, <laughs> "I love this comment. This is why we should all love AW." And then he like throws some shit. They made the most boring thing on the show going into it and made it not bad at all. <laughs> I love that. It's not as if they, they took something that seemed boring and made it amazing. No, they took it and it was not bad at all. So <laughs> um, awesome. Awesome comment, Matthew. Look, you've redeemed yourself after your heel turn last week. Next we had, this was great. Miro cut a promo. 
telling a little story about himself. After months of insecurity, a voice called out to tell Miro to return to who he was. Miro destroyed everyone in his path, making him God's favorite champion. The TNT Championship was his reward. He is not just willing to defend his championship with his life. He's willing to defend it with yours. He is the redeemer. And we have a redesign of the of the belt. It was in like the Bulgarian flag with white strap and green accents on it. I thought it looked really cool. And I think it'd be a super cool idea for the TNT Championship going forward if the every champion gets to make their own little belt, like like the belt strap, customize it. I think it'd be really good. So of course Miro J has turned up because he has a little bat signal for any time we talk about Miro to say God's favorite champion. I and Miro J also says beautiful new white and green belt. Yeah, awesome. Um, another promo. Like I, I don't need to say it. Abanov said it. Miro's promos have been hella nice since he ditched Kip. They have been so so good recently. Pro Wrestling Outsider says this deranged Miro character works great. He does. It's awesome, and I love that little bit of um backstory you know going into like how he came into the promotion because of course that wasn't like the debut that we were expecting from Miro him being this video game guy but it's all worked out and he's kind of tied that in and like that's also given not that I ever mind it in the first place because I love video game Miro because I knew it was he was at one point gonna just switch and turn into this Miro so awesome uh, Miro J has taken exception to pro wrestling outsider saying deranged I feel like he was saying that with love I feel like um, he was saying that with love. <laughs> um, Matthew says, God's favorite champion. I love my hot wife when she does the splits. Yeah, Miro does love his hot wife and she can do the splits. Now, moving on and a, another promo, Dr. Britt Baker, another great promo. Uh, she was brought out by Tony Schiavone. He said everyone was concerned about Baker's well-being. She said, don't worry about it. She's dealt with a lot and she came out the baddest bitch on the block. Uh, what's daunting is trying to keep Nyla Rose relevant. Uh, Rose has beaten Baker, but Baker's in a lead of her own. Rose and Vicky were watching this on the monitor backstage. Baker said that Vicky had a last name that will keep her relevant in wrestling, but Rose doesn't, which caused me to think, what if Nyla Rose is related to Axel Rose? And if so, she will be my new favorite wrestler. Anywho, with the championship, uh, Baker is the hottest in professional re uh, wrestling, but even without it, she's still DMD. And then they played her music and we went backstage to where Vicky and Nyla were watching it and Vicky like screamed over it. And then Rose said next week she'd hand Baker the ass whooping of her life. Uh, another excellent, excellent promo from Baker every week totally on fire i don't think that this that nyla rose is perhaps the best first challenger that we could have had i said this i know i said this on the sports kita inside cradle that i do think that it's a bit of a kian situation when kian would be someone's first title defense like daniel bryan and it just wasn't great but i think that they are keeping the better opponents for brit once we have once we get into August and September, of course, moving to the pay-per-view and then Arthur Ashe Stadium. So I think this is just like a tied her over feud. And they did it to pick, they picked people as in Nyla Rose and Vicky that are like pure, pure heel. So it's like, if everyone's going to cheer for Brit, it's okay. So yeah. 
Mikas says Cargill coming for Brit over gimmick infringement. Yeah. Yeah, she is the she is the person that likes to usually say the B word on the show. Um, Matthew says that Statlander for All Out uh, is his guess. Statlander would be awesome because she'd be. You need a really strong baby face to go against Brit because the crowd just love her so so much, and you're like you have to cheer Chris Statlander because she's this nice friendly alien that boops people, and she's got the best friends with her. So. Yes, I think she'd be a really good idea. John Moxley accepted Lance Archer's challenge. Uh, then we had Sammy Guevara defeating Wheeler Utah, who had uh, Orange Cassidy out with him. This was a good, quick match. Uh, Guevara, another hot, hot over character uh, in Texas, but he's been over every time that there's been fans um, present. So I, I just love the rise of Sammy. Really great Sammy Guevara's vlog this week as well. Yeah, I just I just want to see him shine. And I thought that as much as I, you know, I adore the inner circle and I make no bones about that whatsoever. It's nice to see him like just be out there on his uh, on his own. I kind of want the panda head back to panda head with the rest of the inner circle gear. I'd love that. I'd love that. <laughs> I just like I just like cuteness. So. I kind of miss the pound ahead. Um, next, we had QT Marshall being forgettable, to be honest. He poured a protein shake on Shoney, Tony Schiavone's head. I say that he was being forgettable because even though he poured a protein shake on Tony Schiavone's head, I watched Dynamite twice and did not remember this and had to then go back and find this because, I don't know, it just, it just didn't work for me. And... He shouldn't be doing that to Tony Schiavone. Britt Baker needs to kick his ass after that. Like, absolutely. That was mean, mean, mean. We had a quick match. Yuka Sakazaki uh, defeated Penelope Ford. Everyone loved Yuka. She, this was her first Dynamite match in 16 months. Um, she won with the Magical Girl Splash after a Magical Merry-Go-Round. Uh, people, people love her. Um, I think she's here for... I'm like a month on like an excursion before she has to go back, but then I'm sure she'll be back again. Crowd absolutely adored her. Um, here's a good shout from Mikas. Uh, I love Yuka. Brit versus Yuka in Pittsburgh because of her having her teeth knocked out. Good win for DMD in her hometown. Yeah, they have to They have to have a big match for Brit in, in Pittsburgh. I'm not sure if Yuka is the right person just because she's like such a face to put against Brit who will be a face. I'm not sure. I, I think it'd be great for Brit in Pittsburgh if they brought back like if a kind of a special attraction wrestler like they brought some kind of veteran surprise I think that would be really really cool that would be um you know I don't know like a Mickey James or something to do like a one-off match in Pittsburgh I think that would be awesome next we had a video advertisement for Rampage this is really cool I was actually lucky enough to see this um before Dynamite so I knew it was coming. They were all like electric, uh, electrified. It was very awesome. I'm very, very excited for Rampage. I'm excited to do another show on an AEW show. And yeah, I can't wait. August 13th. Um, next, we had the main event. <sighs> this was so, so, so good. So it was a coffin match between Darby Allen and Ethan Page. 
This coffin, let me first say, and I'm an expert on coffins being a former goth. It was a very nicely well-constructed coffin. It looked very cool without being cartoony at all. It was the kind of thing that I would like to have as an ornamental decoration in my house and maybe put like some shelving uh, in it so it could be like a display case. I thought just nice, nice coffin. They had some black roses inside it as well, which I very much appreciated. This match started with Darby Allen attacking before the bell. He took off his jacket to reveal they had a steel plate on his back, like, like he was a little turtle, like carrying his shell. I thought it was cute. Uh, he hit a coffin drop uh, with the plate on his back. He then took it off though, and I thought, man, I would have kept that on maybe. Uh, he hit a Topi Suicida, Scorpio Sky popped out of the coffin to blindside Alan, and then Sting came out with a massive, massive pop for Sting. That was so cool. Sting is always gonna be over. Wherever you go, the more uh, the more southern you get as well. So 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 cool. Uh, Sting, who was also on Elevation this week with Darby as well, it was bizarre watching Sting on a YouTube show. But the the guy's up for anything. He loves he loves working in AEW, and all I've ever wanted for Sting ever since WCW folded was to be respect was for him to be respected and happy. And I feel like he's finally getting that now. So. Any, anyway, <laughs> he was sent Scorpio Sky to the barricade. Uh, Sting missed a sp stinger splash in the fan area. Sky celebrated on a railing. Railing says um, Sting dropped him over it and smacked him with a trash can. Then we had some brawling in the audience, which led to a commercial, which was kind of bad timing, but I was watching on Fight TV, so I was totally fine. Um, Alan jumped off a railing and Paige caught him. Back in the ring, we saw Paige take the bottom rope apart and then he like hooked Alan's neck with the corner hook, which was really, really awful. Uh, I hate when they, it's like I hate in WWE when they've done any piercing stuff with Jeff Hardy. I don't like that. I was just worried, worried about his teeth. And then we had Alan dropkick Paige into the coffin. They were striking in the coffin. Page cut out of a coffin, dropped the tent, hit an avalanche, Ego's edge under the steel steps. Alan countered an apron suplex by gouging at Page's eyes and biting on his face. Alan then picked up a skateboard, hit a skateboard-assisted stomp, sending Page into the coffin. Alan closed the coffin lid to win the match. And then it was not over because after the match, Darby Allen hit a coffin drop through the top of the coffin onto Page inside. That looked awesome all i can say put me in a coffin because i was dead after that match it was amazing um it was such such a good closing match for what was already a great hot dynamite um darby fantastic performance as as usual what you want to see from darby is him taking risks but also doing innovative spots and i thought the back protector at the beginning was very innovative and i thought all around the way they handled this coffin match was really really cool because it was very different from the kind of casket matches that we are used to with the undertaker i think it updated the gimmick um modernized it for a young audience 
And that's what we want to see AEW do, modernizing and updating wrestling for the young ones. Uh, Ethan Page, great performance by him. Like he was in the spot of getting this main event singles match and he absolutely delivered 100% um, his best showing so far in AEW. I loved it. Where do we go from here? With Darby, I'm really not sure. This seems like it should be the end of the feud because it was such a, you know, like they really closed the lid on it, literally and figuratively, but we'll see. Um, I think Ethan Page, though, he has really impressed me so far in AEW, but this was definitely, like, his highlight. He's so up for just doing all the craziness with Darby, and I totally, I respect that a lot. So what have we got for Fighter Fest week two next week? We have some great matches here because we are getting a women's championship match, Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose. I expect Britt to easily retain in that one. We have the IWGP United States Championship match, John Moxley versus Lance Archer. It's a Texas death match. Um, I I think that's going to be really, really good. I don't know what I'd main event with, though, if I'd main event with the Women's Championship or with the IWGP United States Championship. I feel like, like they kind of... I feel like they kind of have to main event with the Women's Championship because like that's their title and that's their like second biggest singles title. But I don't know. I think the Moxley Archer match would be a hot ending. Then we have Chris Jericho and Sean Spears with Spears being able to use a chair. Jericho can't use a chair. I think this is going to be really good. Um, I, I just want to see how Jericho gets out of it. And I love the bat suggestion. So I'm up for this match. And hopefully we'll find out what his next labor will be when he completes that one. Does he get anything to commemorate uh, these labors? Like, is he? does he have like a little, I don't know, um, like, I don't know, maybe he should be given like a necklace or something where he gets like little charms to show he's completed each one i don't know like something to like visually show how many he's gone through hmm. just brainstorming um and we have orange cassidy versus the blade uh yeah it is a miro j is complaining another dynamite without a tnt title match indeed we just can't find anyone to challenge uh, your boy miro no one wants to step up step up to the plate um, Matthew says the Texas Deathmatch step sounds odd. I've never uh, seen their first one, so just check it out on New Japan World in prep. Uh, Matthew in prep. Uh, Mikaz said I think that's why Miro has been kept doing promos, keeping relevant. Yeah. Um, NRG has asked this quite a few times. Who should Chris Jericho's last opponent be in AEW? Um, I honestly think it should be Sammy Guevara. I think if he's going to have a last match. Uh, ever in AEW, Sammy is the person you should put over in the way out. That's what I think. And then, obviously, don't leave. You know, become a commentator. Please always stick around in Dynamite. But yeah, I'd have him go. Um, I'd have him put Sammy over in the way out. I mean, having his last match ever, it being it being with Lance Storm would be cool and poetic. But I think that Sammy would be like the right decision because Sammy is 
Sammy's been getting like the rub from him this whole time and he's really managed to get Sammy over by putting him in the inner circle so it'd be nice to see like that happen at the end um pro wrestling outsider uh listen to Dan Housen's interview on Jericho's podcast he's such an entertaining guy I'll be listening to that uh tonight I think that's really cool he's had um, Dan Housen on um Mikas said they need one more match right they do indeed but I'm sure we will find out during the week uh what how how much more they can sack this dynamite card but that is all for me thank you guys so much for tuning in don't forget to subscribe to not only this channel but to my podcast aw weekly with stephanie chase go check out my interview with the best friends all of them including orange Cassidy, that's up on my channel uh check out my interview with diana perrazzo ahead of her big match tomorrow night um check out my appearance on Sports Kita's Inside Cradle that is up on their YouTube channel. And if you're in Bristol on Sunday, I'm in Bristol on Sunday because Rev Pro is on the road. Sunday is my first day on the road working with a wrestling company. I'm so excited. We're traveling to Bristol. It's going to be a really, really great show. So if you can't catch it live, catch it Rev Pro on demand, which it will be up very soon after the show. But anyway, guys, thank you so much. I love you all so much. And I will see you next Friday. Bye.